This is Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And uh, yeah, it's the last week uh, before the uh, local government elections coming up on the 1st of November. We've had a number of political parties, uh, regional parties, uh, those with national reach. And uh, of course, those uh, sp- yeah, focused on specific community matters, as we did towards the tail end of last week. And uh, we're also hoping to speak to some independence before we wrap up our conversations uh, later on this week. Tonight, we are off to the Western Cape. And uh, we speak this evening to the Freyheids Front Plus, and uh, their mayoral candidate out in Cape Town is Leonard Max, also going to be joined by Jack Miller, the founder of the Cape Independence Party. Gentlemen, good evening to the pair of you and welcome. Hello. I said, good evening. Evening. Hey, yes, yeah. do I have both of you, Leonard and Jack? Yes, yes, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much uh, to the pair of you. Uh, Leonard, let me start off with you uh, and uh, the Frey Hates Front Plus. I was saying in my introduction earlier on, uh, many people suggest that you certainly took a sizable chunk of uh, the uh, vote that uh, would have gone to uh, the Democratic Alliance in 2019. Uh, Talk to us about that and I guess uh, uh, what uh, uh, commitments uh, to the electorate that the Frey Hates Front Plus is bringing, in particular, uh, to the city of Cape Town, uh, and uh, how some of your own experiences, I guess, uh, having been uh, in the political landscape before, uh, will inform how the Frey Hates Front Plus uh, uh, leads in the city of Cape Town. Yes, thank you, Iabonga. Yeah, it is so, you know, uh, it's undisputed fact that um, the Freedom Front gained a lot of voters, um, we actually uh, changed the vote from the DA to the Freedom Front because the Freedom Front was very clear in their message. They're still very uh, concise in their message. Um, and not, not, don't change their, their, their statement as, uh, as they meet different people. So it is a challenge uh, to maintain them. And I, I, I think also with our new approach where the Freedom Front has extended extend their, um, their membership to other minority groups, that, that will also contribute to a much better increase, a much more increase to the Freedom Front Plus. Uh, the Western Cape was very, very, um, you know, uh, contested, heavily contested. Uh, you know, I think it's about seven parties, which I think which is focused on the colored vote. In the Western Cape, which is the majority of the population, and everybody knows that uh, when you get a, a good chunk of the colored vote, then uh, your chances are very good to to be in power or to have a significant, you know, input into um, the, the city of Cape Town. Uh, yes, uh, but on the other end, we believe that uh, what we are doing and, and our message that uh, we stand for clean governance, zero uh, tolerance to corruption. We uh, believe that affirmative um, action has no place because if somebody like me and an African person has been appointed in a position, we are labeled as affirmative action appointment as a result of that particular policy whilst we've got the necessary and adequate skill for the position. But do you feel uh, we, that you were called yes. that when you were advisor to the Minister of Police? Do, do you feel that you were called an affirmative action appointment? Uh, you know, the thing is, when I was advisor to the police, um, uh, to the minister, um, you know, everybody got their own perceptions. 
as to why I was there. I believe that I I was there and appointed because of my skill and as a result of my appointment we are having now, as we speak, and it was launched by the president of this country, Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, the anti-gang unit, which was one as my, a brainwave of mine. So yes, I contributed, and that is also a proof that uh, I got the skills and in in the competencies. But other mm. people will think that um, you know that it is the result of a formative action policy that I was but, appointed in that particular position, and so many other people with the same qualities being appointed and being labelled as uh, formative action appointments. And we say no to that. We are saying that people will be appointed in our uh, administration based on merit and nothing else, and, and, and we believe our infrastructure should be maintained and even improved, in, you know, to make sure that it uh, addresses future expansions uh, of our communities. And we believe in decent uh, accommodation, you know, mm. housing uh, at uh, affordable places, affordable housing. Okay. Um, yes, All and right. in a safe Let's... environment for investors to invest. And that is where my skill comes in as sure, a former sure. police general and okay. a commissioner of police with that particular skills, and I will use mm. that to the benefit of all people. Sure. Leonard, we'll come back to uh, that, uh, uh, I guess, anti-gang strategy, uh, community safety, and, of course, uh, how that finds expression. And also, uh, I want to touch, I guess, uh, when we come back to you on uh, decentralizing local government and, uh, as you say, devolving power to as near as possible to the community through sub-councils and smaller municipalities. Yeah. Because I think it makes a perfect segue uh, to uh, what I want to ask of Jack. Jack, you guys are the Cape Independence Party. You're calling for a referendum to exit South Africa. Why do you want to exit South Africa when there's already, I guess, a devolution to uh, local authorities of you know, revenue-raising powers uh, and even, I guess, concurrent functions with the provinces uh, where some of these functions like health and education are shared between national government and provincial government? Well, quite the contrary, actually. I mean, what we're seeing now is a move towards more centralization, uh, more communist policies. I mean, the latest policies on the agenda, which everyone's talking about uh, for the last two years, has been expropriation without con uh, compensation and uh, nationalization of the mines and nationalization of property in general. So, and the two wait, mainstream wait, wait, parties, uh, ANC <laughs> and EFF, you know, Leonard Max's Jack. former political party, you know, was, mm. was pushing this. And so, uh, wait, Jack, we Jack, even see the Jack. DA pushing for, uh, you know, uh, forms of this. So we at Jack. the Cape Independence Party are entirely Jack. opposed Jack. To, to this direction. Okay. And so, Jack, um, help is, us here, you know, but, but wait, Jack, Jack, wait, wait, wait. Help us make the conceptual leap, right, from what you're calling for, which is either secession or, or a deeper form of federalism and expropriation without compensation and nationalization. Help, help me make that conceptual leap. How do we move from you calling for a referendum to exit South Africa and then to now expropriation without compensation and nationalization? Uh, I'm well, well, to make you, the said that, you said that there are local authorities and, and, and provinces and communities have got uh, sufficient authority in the current political system. And, and yeah, I'm I said revenue raising. Yeah, yeah. System. I don't think that's true at all. I think quite the contrary. We're seeing things mm. move in a far more centralized direction. So, you know, uh, the reason we were formed in 2007 was out of a complete and utter disillusionment with all the old political parties um, that were taking us down this direction. And so uh, we believe 
All we need to do is look at the news a few weeks ago and see what happened in KwaZulu-Natal, where the government was incapable of protecting its own citizens, where we saw people getting shot dead in the streets, shopping malls getting burnt down. And I don't think that the people of the Western Cape want to see that type of chaos here. So this is why I think the Cape Independence Party and our vision of Cape Independence has become so popular. Uh, and, and I think that's the primary reason why um, we would be pushing for a referendum to make the Western Cape an independent country. Talk, talk to me, I guess, about what, what benefit that would have. Uh, for, you know, people in the Western Cape. And uh, I ask this in the context of, I mean, least of all since 1910, um, there's been this sense that, you know, this is one geographic territory and uh, you calling for some secession. And I guess 1994 was also a continuation of that sense that there's one South Africa, aside from what you might have had, which was the Union or Republic and all of the homelands where many African yeah. people were expected to come, have come from. Uh, talk to me about why I guess you are so disillusioned with that project of a unitary South Africa and why it would be beneficial for the people of the Western Cape to secede. Brilliant, brilliant question. That's exactly, and a lot of people don't even refer to that. That's a critical part of all of this. People don't realize that South Africa is a new concept. Prior to 1910, there was no South Africa. This is a colonial construct that was forced upon us by the British Empire. The name South Africa is not even the name of a natural country. It's a compass point on a continent, Africa down south. So when the British Empire, after the Boer Wars, consolidated all of these independent territories into the Union of South Africa to take control over the gold in the Vaal region and the, Kimberley, um, uh, the diamonds in Kimberley, it was to their own centralized benefit. Then what we saw from 1910 to 1948, this false union of independent states controlled by the British Empire. From 1948 to 1994, we saw this false union controlled by the apartheid government. And from 1994 until now, we've seen this false union controlled by the ANC regime. And it doesn't matter which of these political entities have been in power, they've used the centralized political system to their own benefit and to the detriment of others. So we at the Cape Independence Party aren't just opposed to the ANC. We're opposed to the ANC as well as the apartheid government and primarily the British Empire, which forced us into this mess in 1910 because centralization doesn't work. And it doesn't matter if you're Zulu or Koza or Cape Colored or Venda or Sututswana, white Afrikaans, white English speaking, whatever it happens to be, this centralized political system doesn't work. And let me give you the most concrete example as to why the Western Cape is suffering under the centralized system. There's something called the Division of Revenue Act, which is the amount of taxes that each province pays to the ANC-controlled national treasury. We pay 200 billion rand in taxes every single year. The ANC-controlled national treasury gives us back in our local and provincial allocation, a mere 50 billion rand. If we were an independent country, the Western Cape could cut taxes in half and still have double the amount of money for schools, but hospitals, policing, energy, Jack, infrastructure. Jack, there's a reason for that. 
It's called the progressivity of our division of revenue. The Western Cape gets a relatively lower proportion than what it raises because it's able to raise its own revenue at a local level through property taxes and rates because it has a much better industrial base than other parts of the country. Um, so there's a reason for that. Um, rather than, I guess, just saying the 200 billion should be what comes back to the Western Cape uh, because there's large parts of the country by history and by current circumstance that don't have the same industrial base and can't raise the same revenue. Well, if you speak to our Cape Independence Party members who've been in the housing list for up to 40 years, who are living in backyard dwellings, in, in shacks, um, who have been completely forgotten by the government, and uh, who, frankly, are being excluded based on their skin color, uh, they'll give you a different answer. That might be your opinion, but there are a lot of people here in the Cape who uh, are suffering, really suffering, under horrific conditions, and the fact that we're losing so much of our revenue and the resources that we have here in the Cape cannot even look after our own people, um, they would disagree with that opinion. Mm. Okay. Let, it, let me bring you in here, uh, because I guess on a similar theme, you also want to decentralize local government and devolve power to as near as possible to the community through sub-councils and smaller municipalities. Um, I mean, do you have a concern with, uh, I guess, the municipal instruments that currently raise revenue, uh, especially for some of the metros? Um, and if so, I mean, what, what other instruments would you use to decentralize local government, as you suggest, in your 10-point plan? Yeah, you, you, you see, the problem is that um, local government is uh, removed from people to a central uh, entity. Like, uh, if you take the metros, the metros is responsible for different areas where there were previously uh, municipalities, local, uh, to, uh, more closer to the communities and where the communities had uh, a better interaction with, with their local government. So it has been centralized, you know, away from them, and we feel that uh, that centralization doesn't uh, provide the services which the people are entitled to. That's why you... You get this uh, uh, swamps, you know, uh, uh, this uh, water. People don't get uh, water. The sewage is in a mess, uh, and so forth. So the, lo the lower uh, the local government is to the people, and to nearer to the people, the better. And the people can get involved. Now we are saying you can't have a local government where the people is not uh, uh, doesn't have their say and and not be consulted properly. And it's for that particular reason that we say we want uh, local government uh, to go nearer to the people. But on the other end, as you know, that uh, <clears throat> revenue has been, uh, you know, obtained from, from uh, taxpayers. Uh, the middle class, the rich, and we said subsidize um, uh, the poor. And, uh, and that revenue, in some instances, as you could actually observe from other municipalities, was almost bankrupt. Because that is not sufficient, you understand, to um, make sure that you put all the resources in place to serve our communities. And for that particular reason, you need uh, money from um, uh, the national government uh, to assist uh, the local government uh, to provide those services. But unfortunately, in very uh, uh, other municipalities, uh, those monies are not being spent for the purposes it is meant for. It is being used by corrupt officials, uh, politicians, as well as 
uh, administrators, as you, uh, we all actually experience how many arrests were made uh, by the Hawks and cases which are uh, actually pending now in court. So, yes, uh, there, there, there needs to be a mindset, a new culture of commitment, of honesty, and, uh, and, 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 and service mm. to the people. Okay. Otherwise, this Linux. is not going to work. You can do every mm. structure. You can, you can change any structure. But if there's no commitment, political will, and the quality of politicians to serve our people, then it is going to, to fail. Yeah, yeah. Leonard, you guys are also calling for zero-based budget planning. What's that? Yeah, it is, it is, it is clear that, you know, you work from, uh, from, uh, from a position of um, there's no money. What, what do you need uh, actually to uh, put certain things in place? Because uh, budget follows strategy. So you must have a proper strategy to determine what is the budget which you need to provide for that particular strategy and to execute those services to our communities. And that is a very simple uh, general application of good management. Leonard, maybe just the last one uh, before we come back to uh, Jack. Uh, I'm quite interested, I guess, in, in also hearing some of your views. You're saying you want to protect heritage, and uh, many people might, I guess, based on uh, the history of your organization, uh, associate that with uh, the defense of Afrikaans in particular. Talk to me about that, and uh, I guess also this, this legacy and uh, the sense that, that many people have that uh, the Frey Front Plus is a white party, and in particular an Afrikaner party and the right of the political spectrum. Yeah, uh, let me say, you know, there's, um, there was maybe um, a perception which was valid in the past when uh, the Freedom Front Plus, or before it becomes, became a Freedom Front Plus, it was the Freedom Front, and before that, uh, other parties, uh, you know, preceding this, uh, the Freedom Front. And, and, and that was meant for African white people. Some uh, white uh, lady, uh, doctor's wife, actually asked me the other day, is this party not meant for old white uh, men? I said, no, 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 no. That might be in the past. There was a total change, evolution of this particular party. It is now the Freedom Front Plus. And the Freedom Front Plus is, uh, uh, got rid of their own, uh, the, the previous old views, um, and it is focused now on the, fut- on the future with a new approach. And that is to reach out to all minority groups and people who feel that they are being marginalized by the ANC not being acknowledged, their skills and not being used according to their, their, their commitment and, and competencies. But, and that means also the majority of our supporters uh, are Africans speaking like myself. Mm. I'm, I'm born with my mother tongue. I grew up with Afrikaans. I started talking English when um, when I joined the police here uh, mm. in in, uh, in in 1980. So so yes, uh, we are saying we are there to protect the interests of the minorities. We are there mm. to protect, and the Freedom Front Plus is known that they fought uh, for the for 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 the existence of Afrikaans in the universities as uh, one of the languages which okay. uh, can, um, peoples or students can, can mm. study in. Uh, yeah, uh, and, 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 and it's not like Let's the DA. 
let's do this. Hold the line for me for a second. I'll give you a chance uh, to respond. We just need to quickly take a spot break. And when we come back, I'll allow you to conclude. This is Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. 18 minutes, uh, 18 minutes it is uh, before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. I'm in discussion with the Cape Independence Party's Jack Miller and uh, also Leonard Max, the Frey 8 France Plus uh, as mayoral candidate for Cape Town. Uh, Leonard, I'll allow you to complete that point, but maybe just as you do so, uh, you said, you know, this is a changed party. Um, now, a few weeks ago, one of your leaders, uh, uh, Peter Grunewald, uh, wouldn't be uh, drawn on whether or not he felt apartheid was a crime against humanity. And he says, you've got to think about it in its context. Now, uh, uh, I'm not sure what to think of that in the context of how over-determining a factor, the apartheid spatial design and even the reality of structural racism continues to play in our society. So it's not something that can be dusted off and uh, placed in a library somewhere or a museum. Um, is that indicative of a party that's changed its political line and language? Yes, of course, of course. Uh, my leader was uh, was very clear on this. You know, the past is the past. We have a history in this country which we cannot ignore and deny. Uh, but uh, the Freedom Front uh, moved forward. Uh, they left the past behind, and uh, they are focusing on the future. And for that particular reason, they acknowledge um, we need to be a rainbow nation to move forward. We've got uh, people of all, all races in our party. Uh, we've got Indians, uh, colored uh, uh, Africans uh, in our party, and whites. So, yes, it's not a party for whites only anymore. And it's not even a small party as in the past. It is the first biggest party in, in Parliament, in the fourth biggest as far as contesting the, the local government elections. So, so we are a force to be reckoned with, um, not a small party like other parties. And, uh, yes, uh, we are moving forward. You know, once you drive a car and you've got a car, I assume, uh, you will see the front uh, windscreen is, is very big and the rear mirror very small. Now, the rear mirror, once you look in the rear mirror, you see uh, the past, uh, parted uh, in the past, you know. And, and, and our focus is on the future, and that's why the, the, the windscreen is so big. So we are focusing on the future and let the past be the past. We cannot live in the past, we can learn from the past but we, and, and, and use uh, and, and concentrate on those mistakes, not to repeat it in future. And so that we can um, work together, each and every one of us with our different cultures, we can have cross-pollination, we can have respect for each other's culture, uh, we can enrich ourselves uh, from each other's cultures and acknowledge the existence of each and every one a right to existence. There's no reason for any white person, colored person, black person, Indian person in this country to be apologetic how they or he or she looks like. Um, they must okay. be All satisfied right. and happy how they look like and be proud of it. Okay, Leonard, let me come to you, Jack. Uh, and uh, I'm quite interested. I mean, so you're calling for the referendum. Uh, and let's maybe, you know, uh, um, hypothesize here for a second. So you get the referendum. You get your demand for South Af uh, the Western Cape to secede from South Africa. Talk to me about the new nation you would create. And from a budgeting perspective, how re uh, revenue or resources would be distributed between the suburbs where ostensibly many of the taxpayers come from and many of the townships, both the African and the colored townships, where a considerable number of people are unemployed, can't pay for services. 
How would you distribute that? Well, that's, this is the this is the exciting part about an independent cape is that that this is where we can really start to put this beautiful vision uh, into effect. And and so centralized political systems just don't work. And and we look at the world as a laboratory for countries which have succeeded and countries which have failed. And and two countries which shine out is Switzerland and Singapore. Singapore in the 1960s was a muddied island with nothing but a few shacks in it. It also suffered under the same uh, British Empire colonialism that we suffered under. And Lee Kuan Yew took Singapore from 1965 to what it is today, one of the highest incomes per capita, lowest unemployment, highest standards of living, just with good economic policies. So, you know, and then let's look at Switzerland. This is a country that survived two world wars with different populations of Germans, French, and Italians um, who were killing each other at genocide proportions outside of Switzerland's borders. Yet within Switzerland, through World War I and World War II, not a single bullet was fired. How does this happen? This happens because you have good political and economic policies. So an independent Cape would look to the decentralized political system a municipality-based, canton-based, decentralized system like we see in Switzerland and a um, employment and business and entrepreneurial promoting economic system like we've seen in Singapore. A hybrid of this will see communities, uh, their standards of living go up, uh, businesses having opportunities to employ more people, uh, education, uh, being more inclusive, people matriculating who are actually literate uh, with mathematical skills, with uh, um, skills that they can uh, take directly into the workplace. Unlike today in the centralized political system uh, where there's such a disconnect between uh, the community, the taxpayer, and the government uh, that is supposed to serve that community. The uh, only way that we can address that, and it's not just a South Africa problem, it's a worldwide problem. Centralized political politics does not work. Jack? So Jack? what we would do in an independent case is decentralize the political system. This will ensure that resources are evenly distributed. The communities themselves pursue uh, economic endeavors that are best suited for those communities and will benefit them best. Jack, can I come back to the question I've asked and uh, really appreciate, I guess, you know, the, the, the examples that you draw from um, and, and the diversity of the examples. In a Capezit, if Capezit happens, and I live in Filippi or Nyanga or Cape Exit, yes. If I live in Filippi or in Nyanga, what framework determines the allocation of resources to those areas for much needed services if we accept that the service coverage of Nyanga and Filippi is fundamentally different to Constantia and to Clifton. What framework would a Cape, the Cape Independence Party use to allocate resources? The, the framework that best suits the, the, the city. So the, the city of Cape Town would obviously have to address the, the needs of its residents, and that includes every single um, ward and uh, territory within the city of Cape Town. So um, if there are issues in Nyanga and Kailicha and Mitchell's Plain and uh, um, Durbanville or Brackenfall, et cetera, whatever those specific issues have to be, uh, that have to be addressed will be addressed.
Okay, I want us to pause here for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, I continue with Leonard Max and Jack Miller. This is Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. Eight minutes it is before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. I'm in conversation with uh, the founder of the Cape Independence Party, Jack Miller, also joined by the mayoral candidate of the Freedom Front Plus in Cape Town, and uh, that is Leonard Max. Leonard, just briefly, uh, you touched earlier on, I guess, on uh, you know some of the uh, experience you have in community safety. Now, I guess a big part of uh, many of the challenges around crime, in particular violent crime and uh, gangsterism and uh, other uh, such antisocial behavior, has a lot to do with the socioeconomic conditions of many of the areas uh, where uh, some of these uh, tendencies are prevalent. Talk to me about, I guess, uh, the type of, you know, uh, I guess, uh, anti-crime or anti-gangsterism uh, approach that the Freedom Front Plus would pursue. Uh, and I guess how it would respond to some of the socioeconomic factors that are push factors into the gangsterism and to many other challenges that we see. Yes, uh, Yabonga. You know, uh, yes, the, it is right. As you correctly stated, you know, it's against the paradise here in the Western Cape. On the Cape Flats, people are got killed on a daily basis and children. Uh, women and children are got killed, raped and etc. Yeah, the problem is um, we concentrate very hard on the government and, uh, and they throw policing to every of these problems and only policing and no other services. And with that approach, you are not going to address this particular issue, uh, you know, properly. It is the police constitutional duty actually to uh, manage and curb and prevent crime. Um, but um, there's a, only a particular, uh, certain things which the police can do. With any commission of a crime, there's two factors uh, present. The one is the desire to commit a crime, and the other one is the opportunity to commit a crime. What the police can do, they can only minimize the opportunities, temporary, <clears throat> as far as the opportunity to, co- opportunity to commit a crime. But the desire to commit a crime is as a result of our social conditions. And if you look at the Western Cape, and if you look at the ANC's policies, the ANC's policies take out colored people totally out of the working environment. Look at government. Look at certain places like uh, Home Affairs. Look at uh, uh, private institutions uh, at the airports. You don't get a colored people there employed. You understand, these people are actually being marginalized and put uh, at the place at the, at the, on the Cape Flats where they, they are not working, they are sitting there, there's no job opportunities, and the only things which is attractive to them is gangsterism, because they've got needs. And that is where gangsterism got a very strong foot and hold on our poorer communities. They are generating a second economy in our communities of which they become dependent on the gang's activities. And in exchange to that particular uh, benefit from gangs, the parents are actually obliged to, to, to give their children and to allow their children to join that particular gang because that gang is providing and not government. So, uh, and, and that, that makes the problem so, so problematic to address and to eliminate sure. gangsterism on the okay. Cape Flats. What we are saying mm. as the Freedom Front Plus is that we need to address 
that particular issue in a multi-departmental uh, uh, function and approach <coughs> where all uh, departments should have a crime prevention plan, uh, you know, integrated in their operational plans. If it okay. is what, what is your crime prevention focus? If it is housing, how do you address crime? Mm. If it is um, any other uh, issue, uh, a department that must be a crime prevention plan. And the other thing is uh, to create jobs, an alternative to provide an alternative to these youngsters. You need to create an environment where investors can invest okay. because government Leonard, cannot provide jobs. Leonard, they Leonard, have to pay money. Yes. Point. The point is well made. Uh, let me bring you in, Jack. Uh, unfortunately, we, we are nearing uh, the tail end of our show. So, Jack, let me give you... Uh, uh, the last word and uh, maybe just want to hear some of your own thoughts on this question of intra-provincial migration or inter-provincial migration a big part of uh, I guess many of the uh, uh, townships of the Western Cape and uh, the informal settlements that we've seen emerge uh, is on the back of the migration route between the Eastern Cape and the Western Cape under your vision of secession how are you going to deal with that flow of people whose lives I guess uh, are lived in both of those provinces well, you know, this is where each province needs to take responsibility for their, their residents, their voters, their citizens, their taxpayers. And, um, you know, we're called the Cape Independence Party because we're here to look after the Cape people. And this is one of the primary problems that we've seen over the last 27 years is that, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, uh, we have many members um, who classify as Cape Colored who have been on the housing list for 20 30, 40 years, and um, who are still living in backyard dwellings. And the reason they're still living in backyard dwellings is because both the DA as well as, as the ANC have come to an agreement to house according on national racial demographics. So what that means is a population that makes up over 50% of the Cape is being given a mere 10% of the housing whereas you have people who are coming into the Western Cape from other parts of South Africa as well as other parts of Africa, and simply because they have darker skin color uh, than the Cape-colored population, they're getting houses over and above um, people that have been here for generations. So charity starts at home. We would have to look after the interests of, uh, of people who've been in the housing list for longer, a first-come, first-served system. Um, but we certainly do our best to, to help everyone. And, uh, you know, the only way that we can address these issues is by challenging the, the old orthodoxy, the old mainstream political systems, which frankly is not just the ANC here in the Western Cape, it's the DA. The DA has had a stranglehold on politics here for the last two decades, and we need to drive them underneath 50%. If the DA is at 49 or 48 or 40, 47%, and the Cape Independence Party is at 3, 4, 5%, we can all of a sudden begin to force them to make better decisions. And, okay. uh, you uh, know, one of the Jack, DA lines that they've put forward over the Jack, last uh, few elections is it. that it's too close Jack, to call between themselves and the Jack, ANC and the EFF. And the Jack, ANC got 28% in the Western Cape last election Jack, and the EFF got 4%. So it's Jack, the DA that's the main problem that we need to overcome. And then we can look after the best interests of the Cape better. Gentlemen, thank you to the pair of you for your time this evening. Leonard Max, the mayoral candidate of uh, the Freyheids from Plus in Cape Town.
and uh, the founder of the Cape Independence Party, Jack Miller. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Yeah, bonga kawe.